What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined by my co-host, David Lake. David, it's not Georgia Tech who has canceled uh, Miami's upcoming game this weekend. No, it is Miami that has to postpone its next couple of games due to a COVID-19 outbreak. So that means Miami will not play Georgia Tech this weekend. They will not play Wake Forest on Thanksgiving weekend. Those games get pushed back, um, and Miami is in a bit of a lockdown. Yeah, so scrap my foes-to-know Georgia Tech article, (laughs) uh, or I guess save it. Save it for December 19th, hopefully. And yeah, Miami has, I guess, two open dates here to to try and get the virus out of their program or at least get it to a manageable number. Um, You know, I think in the last pod, we kind of made it clear, like either one of the programs, whether it was Miami or Georgia Tech, uh, this could be a possibility. Honestly, I think that's going to be the case moving forward for college football in general. Um, You know, uh, this is just what, trying to play college football in 2020 is Uh, you're having to navigate this virus. Uh, The schedule makers and teams are being flexible with dates and uh, you know, cross your fingers that, like I said, that the, the numbers can go down and be manageable and Miami can play these three games. And you got to hope too, that Miami's opponents also handle their business, keep their numbers manageable because certainly on their side, they need the numbers down in order for Miami to play them as well. Yeah. I mean, um, Miami was barely able to play at Virginia tech. And from my understanding, I'd heard early Monday at some point uh, that Miami had more positive tests and things weren't looking good. I know I texted you and bam out of nowhere. Um, the announcement is made that Miami's pushing things back. I'll just say this, like Miami is it's in their best interest just not to play this weekend based on some of the names, you know, that have from what I've heard or my understanding have tested or in contact tracing. Like, I don't think you'd want to play a game. I'll I'll just leave it at like that. Leave it at that. Um, So now Miami's got a two week bye. Yeah essentially two week bite it to get ready, prepare for a, I think you can accomplish two things. Honestly, I think obviously use the time to uh, rest up, recover from a Virginia tech game. That frankly was a war. That was a battle uh, physically for the hurricanes. I'm sure they are beat up following that game so they can rest up uh, from that game. Like I said, You know, fingers crossed, hopefully no one deals with any serious COVID issues uh, around the UM program, but hopefully get the virus out as well over the next two weeks. Also, it gives you more time to prepare for a tricky Wake Forest team that, you know, honestly, the extra time helps. We can get into this a little later, but they they run an offense that, uh, you know, it is worth spending extra time to prepare for. and. Honestly, too, I think, Andrew, you can speak to this, but if I was Miami, I would use this time to hammer recruiting yeah. really hard. I think they can really 
uh, lockdown on recruiting with the early signing period. I mean, basically exactly a month away, right? So they got a few spots left to, to deal with there in the recruiting class. And I think this is a time to do that as well. Yeah, that's kind of like the silver lining in this. I mean, obviously everyone wants Miami to finish the season, but now you can't really do anything for two weeks. Like, I don't know how much practicing they're going to be able to do. Yeah. Um, so it seems like they will be sitting around and having more of, a, of an opportunity to get some recruiting done. And now I've spoken with coaches at other staffs who have been in a similar spot in terms of not playing games. Um, and they seem to be way more like recruiting focused. I, I think, you know, they're still trying to game plan, but there's only so much you can do. Uh, and that allows mm-hmm. you to kind of watch other guys and recruit. And, I, and you're right, David, like this is, I don't want to say it sets up perfectly for Miami, but I, they're seven and one. Um, you know, no longer yeah. ranked in the top 10. They moved two spots out. I, I don't understand that, but whatever. Number 12 in the country. Um, now they got an opportunity to work those phones, do some Zoom calls. Um, they only have a few spots left in the class of 2021, but maybe now where you're not so focused with a game week, you can dig a little into the 2022s and also see what's out there in the transfer portal and start kind of maybe working those back channels. So I, I do think there is, um, you know, a positive way to look at this. I think too, you know, it's getting close to, to time where Manny Diaz and the coaching staff have to maybe recruit some of their own players to come back as well. You know, we've talked plenty about Derek King. I think that conversation is worth having now during this two week time. You know, Jalen Phillips is going to have a decision to make. It might not be a hard one if he keeps playing at the level he's been playing lately, but it's still a conversation that needs to be had. And then, you know, there's other borderline NFL draft guys where in recent years in particular, Miami has not been able to convince them to come back for their senior years. Um, You know, hopefully Miami can get more of those type of guys to come back, uh, you know, in this new decade. So. Yes, recruiting on many different levels, transfer portal, high school, current roster. I think it's important to start hammering those conversations, start locking things down uh, because, you know, as we touch on roster management is a year-round thing. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you think Miami will play these final three games with how they are currently set up? So I guess you should say it goes – um, what is it at Wake Forest home versus UNC then home versus right. Georgia Tech if Miami doesn't make the ACC title game like are you anticipating more changes or do you think this is how it's going to be yeah. or well it's interesting right so there's many different answers there's many different ways to answer this I will say I would be surprised if these final three games are played as scheduled. I do think Miami is going to play more games. You know, I think the variable here beyond Miami and their COVID situation is what are the COVID situations of, you know, Wake Forest and North Carolina and Georgia Tech, you know, two to four weeks from now. That's going to be impossible to predict. Uh, But it's worth pointing out with the trend of the way, 
you know, COVID is trending up nationally, it's hard to kind of comfortably say that, yeah, they're going to get all three of these games in. Hopefully they do, um, but that's hard to predict. I do think they're going to play, you know, they're going to get some, some of these games in, games in. If they, if they do have to have a cancellation, are they able to, you know, be flexible with the ACC? Like, is the ACC ready to be nimble and totally change the schedule? Uh, I'm looking at you, Notre Dame, uh, which would be fun. But, uh, you know, again, who knows if the ACC or if the schools are willing to do that, you know, make changes on the fly like that. So I guess the general answer to your question would be, I would personally be surprised if these final three games get played as scheduled. Are bowl games going to be a thing? I mean, I mean, I think the major bowl games, yeah. But like, okay, the small bowls, like what are they? It's, it's going to be hard for them to put them on, I think. Uh, they're essentially just TV content, right? Like that's why they're doing it. Why would the players sign up to play in, you know, whatever name, whatever ridiculous, you know, the bad boy mower lawn bowl. What's, why do these players want to do this at this point? It's been a taxing season enough. I feel like we're seeing more and more opt outs or, NFL draft declarations or transfer portal additions uh, by the day. So it's just been a tough year. Um, and it's going to be team by team, right? If it, teams having a really rough year, are they going to want to sign up for uh, a bowl game? And, and I think in typical years, you would say, of course, you want that bowl game because you get 15 extra practices. But with this new, with the way the season is being postponed and pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, that's not really going to happen, right? That's, it's going to be maybe an extra three or four practices. It's going to be like a typical game week. Yeah. Right? So what do you get out of the extra bowl practices this season? Uh, you know, for these lower level bowls is what I'm speaking to. I don't know. But like, let's say Miami is in a position to play in a new year's six bowl. Yeah. All day. Miami is going to want to play for that and play in that. And Miami is going to want to practice, get those extra practices for that game. So it just, it depends on what level of season your college football program is having, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the opt out thing is certainly notable. Um, Miami's managed to keep all their guys locked in, but what happens if, you know, you lose to hypothetical situation here. You lose to uh, yeah. Wake Forest. You're eliminated from the ACC title game. Are yeah. some of your guys just going to hang it up and, you know, start preparing for the sure. NFL draft? And, I mean, heck, if that happens, I don't know if you can really blame them. And then maybe that yeah. allows you to play a ton of youth in a season where it doesn't matter against North Carolina and Georgia Tech. I don't know. Something I've been thinking about. Yeah, I mean, you know, opt-outs or, be, opt-outs or declaring for the NFL draft, however you want to frame it, is becoming more and more of a thing every passing year. And we are getting to the time of year where that happens, right? Regardless of what game you are in, that starts to happen towards the end of November, end of December. 
And that matters because of the NFL draft timeline, right? So the season's being pushed back. Is the NFL draft being pushed back? No. So that timeline of the NFL draft preparation uh, doesn't change, right? So more opt-outs or or whatever could happen, quote-unquote, in the middle of a season. But that's just a function of this season being postponed and all that stuff. Are you putting much blame on Miami for like the coaching staff for some type of outbreak happening or like this just kind of 2020 nature of the beast? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in general, not into COVID shaming unless you're just being like ridiculous about it. I think Miami has done everything they could possibly do as a program to educate the team, you know, about what needs to be done to keep it out. Um, Now are the players always going to be super diligent about following those protocols and doing what needs to be done? You know, that's up for debate, I guess. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So clearly something happened uh, where, where COVID got into the program and that's the issue with COVID is it's highly, highly, highly contagious. Right. And so once it's in your program, it takes a shutdown in order to get it out. And so that's just where Miami's at. I don't blame anyone. I don't blame the coaches. I don't blame it. You know, I do think, and I think you would agree. I think Miami, Manny Diaz, uh, Blake James, President Julio Frank, they are taking COVID extremely seriously. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of, it happened. And it's unfortunate, but now they have to deal with it too. So what percentage would you put on like Miami doesn't play another game this season? Like, I don't want to like sound the alarm panic or anything like that. No, Uh, I think, I think honestly, I would be surprised if they don't play another game. I think they're going to play another game. Do I think they're going to play three more regular season games? I would say that's a low percentage. That's kind of where my head's at right now. I hope I'm proven wrong, of course. Um, but I think, I think they'll get another game in. I don't know. You have doubts about that? Uh, I mean, I'm not. Is, on tell like me the, this. Is your concern about that more of a Miami issue or a college football in general issue? Because, you know, more and more games are getting canceled, it seems like, every week. So where is your issue with when you raise that question? Is it Miami or just college football in general? College football in general, nation in general, amount of outbreaks in general. I just think like the timing is, you know, Miami's going to shut down for two weeks. How much more worse? Like, I don't want to make this much of COVID talk or anything like that. I, you know, just how many more cases are there going to be? Are there going to be more shutdowns um, in parts yeah. of the country? I guess that's what you know, I'm asking you. So I, I think you would agree with me. Maybe there's like a small chance that happens, right? There is. Yeah, small, I, so I like, would so agree like with that. Small. Yes. So my, my follow-up to that is what I'm really trying to get at is, let's say Miami only plays one more game and, and then a bowl game. Um, so worst right. case, worst case, they would go, what, seven and three? Like, is that a successful, yeah. successful season for Miami? I mean, you know, to me, again, context matters, right? So what, what is the context of those next two losses? Are you losing <laughs> to North Carolina? And then are you losing to like Georgia in the bowl game? Yes, yeah. that's what I'm thinking, yeah. Okay, then yeah, I, I still think seven and three would be a good season. Now, if you're losing to Georgia Tech and you're losing to, 
you know, a middle of the road uh, team in the bowl game, then yeah, that's not a good season. Um, so, you know, the number I get, I get your point seven and three, like that is debatable. Um, it's a debatable number, but if, if Miami has to play North Carolina, they lose that game and then they go and play a real team in the bowl game and lose that game. I still think you look back at this season Again, we talked about it in our last podcast. This has been a very, very difficult season in general to navigate and win games. You're seeing a lot of programs around the country unable to do it. And Miami found a way to start off 7-1. and one. Um, You know, you would hope that the late season collapse stuff would be part of this, you know, I don't know how to say it other than the new Miami. Um, but you know, again, we'll have to see it play out. I, we'll see. Hopefully they can finish somewhat strong. Um, it'll be interesting to see though. I don't know. Does it concern you that Miami has like a double buy before this last stretch? No. I mean, no. I, what about the momentum? Two fourth quarter wins uh, in which you had to r- rally. Like you don't think like you want to keep the momentum going. You think it's more important aside from I think, the, the COVID I would stuff. assume yeah I would assume they're beat up and honestly I think I think getting the extra time to get ready for Wake Forest gives them a better chance at beating Wake Forest than the way the original schedule laid out if that, that makes sense and uh you know I, I know like Wake Forest of course is not a name brand in college football but they are a team that is averaging 39 points a game they run a tricky offense that leans on the slow mesh RPO. And that requires uh, a, a defense to do things, you know, ways that, that they would not do against a typical team. They have one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the ACC and Sam Hartman. In my opinion, he's the second best quarterback Miami will have faced uh, to that point. And in my opinion, Wake has the best one-two punch at running back that Miami will have faced from a team uh, to that point. So, and, and also, too, an, a crazy stat to me with Wake Forest so far is they've only turned the ball over once all season. Uh, so they are a team that does not beat themselves. So, yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Wake Forest doesn't get your attention just from a name standpoint, but they are a real team. And so I think getting this extra time to prepare, prepare for that team is overall going to be a good thing for this Miami program. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. Keep talking Miami on the other side. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, David, um, I was not involved in the Zoom meetings on on, on Monday. Um, did you yeah. get a sense from Miami at all like, this was coming or did they do a good job of kind of hiding it? No, they did. I mean, you know, they did a good job of hiding it. I think in general, you know, we're at the point where, yeah, like the coaches and everyone understands that COVID questions are going to be asked and it's, it's a real talking point and it is something that has to be addressed in 2020, but overall they, they're not going to really expand on much um, in terms of, telling us, oh yeah, last night we had this many new positives or, you know, they're not even frankly going to tell us on a Monday who's back to practice that week um, from, you know, being quote unquote unavailable. So yeah, I mean, there wasn't any hinting, um, but I think, you know, before you even texted me, let me know what you had heard. I, uh, I had kind of, my, my antennas were up just because, you know, if you think about it, since that Virginia game, the amount of unav- unavailabilities have, has risen the last three games from Virginia Tech when they had eight guys out, NC State, 11 guys out, Virginia Tech, uh, sorry, I said Virginia Tech twice, I think, uh, but Virginia Tech most recently, 13 guys out. So numbers are on the rise. I think it was safe to assume that, you know, Miami towing the line against Virginia Tech, there was probably going to be more positives that popped up. And if that was the case, you know, because Miami made it clear they were on a razor's edge in terms of being able to play the Virginia Tech game. So if the numbers kept going up, it was going to get canceled. Um, and, And look, I think they deserve credit too for just go ahead and opening up two more weeks to really get get the virus out of the program rather than, you know, Oh, we'll cancel the Georgia tech game and we'll see how it looks next week. Um, They understand that they need time to get it out. And so they're going to take those steps to do that. Mm. Something you wrote on Tuesday morning, uh, which I think is a good kind of, you know, not state of the union, but a way to take a step back and see what's next how Miami can build on the 2020 season by sustaining success. So tell me the thought process behind that. Yeah. So really the, the, the point of the article is, you know, look, Miami, I think has had a good season, right. Uh, But the issue with Miami in general, since, you know, 2003, let's call it is, Miami has not been able to sustain success year over year over year. I looked and, you know, the last time Miami won nine games, at least nine games in a season back to back was uh, Mark Rick's first two years. So 2016, 2017, right? They went nine and four and 10 and three. Then things kind of fell off a cliff where, where the team didn't, you know, wasn't nearly on that level. The next year, I think they won seven games. Um, Prior to that, 
the last time they had won at least nine games three years in a row, I believe was uh, 03, 04, 05. So, um, you know, sustaining success is, I mean, obviously something Manny Diaz needs to address uh, with the program in general. And so this article was mainly touching on, okay, this year's been great. Uh, what does my, like, what moves, what has we, what have we learned about what has been successful this year and what does Manny need to do to keep this going, you know, the next two years, quite frankly, um, because it takes time. Everyone wants to flip a switch and, and everyone wants Miami to instantly be on the same level as Alabama and Clemson. That's not going to happen because it takes time. It takes rec- you know, stacking recruiting classes year after year after year. It takes high level quarterback play year after year after year. And so really that's kind of what I touched on just, and and, you know, you can go read the article, but really the big points are, you know, you got to either convince De'Eric King to come back or you got to get another high level transfer. Uh, You got to maintain the culture like whatever, like the culture is completely changed from 2020 to 2019 in this team, in this group. And so they got to bottle that up and keep that culture going. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they need to convince a lot of these borderline NFL draft guys to come back. Um, And you got to keep recruiting at a high level year after year after year. Um, Now, a lot of these things honestly are easier said than done. That's why Miami has not been able to sustain success uh, this century, quite frankly. So um, we'll see if, if Manny can get it done. I think the first step, you know, the first clue we'll get in this is what Derek King decides to do. And, and you know, if he decides to go pro, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to drop off significantly with Miami. But I think it is fair to say the flip side of that if De'Eric King does come back, Miami might be able to do some special things in 2021. So it's a big deal, uh, you know, what De'Eric King decides to do. Let's say King does go. Um, I had this conversation right. with someone the other night. Miami would be more attractive this offseason than it was last mm-hmm. offseason, correct? No doubt. And because, you know, I mean, they can point to De'Eric King as example one. I think assuming Rhett Lashley comes back to right. Uh, Rhett Lashley has a track record now of uh, working with Derek King as a one-year transfer. And he worked with Shane Bouchelle too at SMU had a lot of success in his one year of working with him as a, as a transfer there. So, you know, Rhett Lashley can, can sell himself to the transfer quarterback market. And that's kind of what it boils down to, honestly. These, these transfer quarterbacks want to know, okay, I can come in and immediately be successful and have a chance to go on to the NFL. So, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think it's necessarily an indication that things are going to fall off dramatically if King decides to go pro. Um, but at the same time, Miami needs to find a guy that is similar in terms of leadership and ability as King. And those guys, quite frankly, are rare. Um, so hopefully they can find it. Uh, you, you brought up Rhett Lashley, assuming he comes back. Um, 
he was asked <laughs> on Monday about yeah. not directly, but kind of directly the South Carolina vacancy. Um, I haven't really seen his name linked to that at all. Uh, but yeah. you know, who knows what happens? You know, maybe someone is hired uh, and that opens a, a job that Rhett would right. be interested in. I mean, do you get the sense that, or, or, or I guess, how did he answer the question about him potentially leaving? It seems like he made it clear he's pretty happy about where he is at Miami right now. He did. Yeah, he made it, he made it very clear. He, in, he said, this is honestly the most fun he's had coaching uh, during his career. He said he made it clear he really enjoys working under Manny Diaz. He said he really believes in Manny Diaz's vision as a head coach. Uh, he made it clear that he enjoys living in South Florida and that his family really enjoys living in South Florida. Um, so all those things are certainly a big deal. Um, but again, who knows? Like money talks, right? So if Rhett Lashley gets offered uh, a job or a contract he can't refu- refuse, then you can't blame him if he takes that job. Um, but I do think if all things are equal, Rhett Lashley will you know, be Miami's offensive coordinator in 2021 as well. Um, what job would have to come open that you think he would you know, get interest, be interested in. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously like I, I honestly don't think he would just take any head coaching job. I mean, maybe he would, but I, I think he's going to be patient. You know, I do think he's going to be a future head coach at some point, but I think he understands he needs to make the right move. Um, so I don't think like, let's say, you know, Billy Napier is a hot name. He's the Louisiana head coach, right? So let's say Billy Napier goes to South Carolina. Now, if Louisiana wants to hire Rhett Lashley to be their head coach, I'm not necessarily convinced Rhett Lashley would make that move. Um, To me, I would be more worried about, in the immediate future, I'd be more worried about an SEC school um, looking for an offensive coordinator and just throwing a boatload of money at Rhett Lashley to come be their offensive coordinator. So to me, that's what I'd be looking out for if I was a Miami fan in terms of, you know, being nervous about losing Rhett Lashley. Mm, I didn't think about that. That's like a, that's a really good point. I mean, I think Rhett's paid good, but I don't know if he's paid. Yeah. SEC. And he's an SEC guy, you know, that's the thing. So uh, but again, you know, if, if Miami's willing to give him a raise, maybe that makes him stay one more year. And look, also, too, <laughs> it's funny, but it is such a big deal. The De'Eric King factor, right? So if De'Eric King says, yo, I'm coming back in 2021, why wouldn't Rhett Lashley want to come back, too? Because you can assume Miami's offense is only going to continue to get better, which is only going to make his name hotter in coaching circles make him a more attractive uh, potential head coach or offensive coordinator with De'Ara King. Um, you know, again, the De'Ara King thing, in my opinion, is such a big deal with the overall future of this team. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I'm, I'm interested to see how that evolves and develops. I haven't seen his name show up any mo- in any mock drafts. Uh, Quincy Roche was invited yeah. on Monday night to the senior bowl. I mean, that was kind of, yeah, given um 
tell me this, do you buy into that at all? Because, I mean, look, I don't think we'll learn about Derek King deciding to enter the NFL draft through the senior bowl, right? But um, How come they didn't invite him? <laughs> not that. Not, I don't think, well, it's that he was, Quincy Roche accepted the invitation, right? Like, I'm sure Derek King's been invited, but maybe he hasn't accepted the invitation right. Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair to assume, or am I reaching on that? I think you're reaching a little bit, but <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. I, that's something I didn't think about. Um, I will say, someone I was talking with the other day, they they, they seem to think that Jalen Phillips, uh, you yeah. know, is playing his way into the draft. And I know we touched on this in the in the last podcast, but um, that performance I, I think has Miami thinking that there's a chance he's going to go pro no doubt and you know again if he if Miami does play one or two more games and he continues to play like that like he did against Virginia Tech then yeah he needs to go he will probably be a first round pick Um, you know from a Miami Miami perspective the thing that hurts Miami's chances at keeping Jalen in my opinion is it's kind of a weak year at, at the edge rush spot in general, you know, at the top of this draft. So Greg Russo is kind of widely respected as the top edge guy. Um, but a lot of these, you know, mock drafts or big boards at this point view him as like a, the number 14 or 15 guy in the draft. Um, typically the top edge rusher in any draft is a top five guy, no doubt. So that tells you that, you know, and I don't know about the depth at defensive end, but there, there's a question about the high, high, high end talent. Um, I think Jalen Phillips has a ton of, ton of talent, ton of physical ability. Um, he doesn't really have much on deep. Um, so there is questions that in that regard, but um, you know, the, the lack of elite, elite depth at defensive end, in my opinion, you know, makes it tough for Miami to try and keep Caleb Phillips because that just means he has a better chance at going in the first round this year than he would in a typical year. Dude, what what would the local media do? Miami goes from, you know, not having any any draft picks, right? You know, no draft picks to potentially three <laughs> defensive linemen in like the first three rounds. Like, and that's just being yeah. like, that's just being safe. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a good chance Greg Rousseau and Jalen Phillips are first round picks in this next NFL draft. I think Quincy Roche is more of a second or third round guy. Um, but look, I mean, Quincy, you know, he needs to go. I don't think there's any, and you know, him accepting the senior bowl invitation is, you know, an indication that he is going to go. He should go. Um, he proved himself at this level which is why he came to Miami. He's a fifth year guy. Um, so he needs to go and, and, you know, hopefully he gets the most out of the draft process. And, you know, again, the transfer portal, it's going to be huge. Miami needs to dip into it. They've had a ton of success. And to your point about, you know, chasing a quarterback, they're probably going to have to chase a defensive end. And Miami luckily can point to a track record, a history of having successful defensive ends uh, transfer into the program and uh, produce at a high level. Yeah. I mean, I guess that kind of leads into the final thing. I did write some recruiting stuff on, on Monday. Um, 
everyone wants to know, you know, why, why is there no really recruiting movement? And that's because Miami doesn't have a ton of spots left. Uh, Tim Burns decommitted last week, you know, Miami now with 21 public commits, probably three, four spots left. And uh, like I noted for the VIP subscribers, I, I think maybe one or two or, or even three of those spots could go to graduate transfers, um, guys that are veterans that can come in and make an impact right away. So I think Miami's happy with what it has committed now. I think they would sign pretty much everyone they could uh, that's currently committed during the early signing period. And then it might just be, all right, let's see what we can go get. Yeah, and I kind of agree with that too, right? Because I think the thing we need to distinguish is, you know, the the transfer additions for the spring semester, right? So if guys transfer into Miami uh, in January and are able to then participate in spring football, you cannot count those guys forward. Is that correct? Like it has to be a part of this 25 counter. Am right. I right in that? Yeah, I think so. So, you know, and, and obviously if Miami has to go get a quarterback in January, that's what you want, right? Like you need that guy in spring football, ideally. Um, you would say the same about defensive end or cornerback. So I'm kind of okay with sitting on those spots for the transfers. Um, and then, you know, if, you know, more guys are going to pop up too during the summer. And if Miami wants to add those guys for depth, then you can count them forward potentially like they did with Jared Williams. Right. Right. Correct. Unless, so. the, unless the NCAA decides to change all of this um, and, right. you know, lack some of the counters, which there is some legislation out there. So that's certainly possible. Um, but everyone's kind of in a wait and see mode. Yeah. So this is my mindset and, and tell me if I'm off on this, unless it's like a complete stud that Miami's like out here flipping, uh, you know, over the next month, maybe this class is set, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Maybe, maybe, one maybe or a two. corner. Yeah. Maybe I think, a corner. I think they will take a high school corner, maybe a quarterback. Right. So, but again, like Jake Garcia, maybe they flip him, uh, you know, they would love to flip Jason Marshall, the corner, but that ain't probably going to happen. No, uh, it's not. Right. So, you know, uh, this class might be set, but yeah. we'll see, I guess, how it goes. Yeah. All right, David, uh, I know we got a promo. Plug that and then let's get out yeah. of here. Yeah. So Tuesday, we're doing this on Tuesday, Tuesday through Thursday. We got a 50% deal off for annual VIP members. Um, which will get you year-round insider coverage from you know November 15th to November 15th, essentially. We think it's going to be an exciting year for the Miami football program, both on the field and in recruiting. So uh, if you enjoy this podcast, if you want to support us, we'd love it if you signed up for the website. Uh, 50% off, that gets you about, I think it's 63 bucks, 64 bucks. Uh, I should know this off the top of my head. But anyways, uh, ooh, 53 bucks, sorry. So it's 53 bucks for a 50% off annual subscription. Uh, sign up. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Later. Later.